Chapter 17, Attack of the Lunch Lady Monday morning came far too quickly as the Griffins piled in behind their desks after the first bell. Can you believe Brooke has power too? Harley whispered, taking a seat right behind Max. Now you're not the only kid who can... Hey, Ernie complained, plopping his books down. What about me? Then he pretended he was lining up at the starting block for a race. Whatever, Natalia said, rolling her eyes. I'm serious, argued Ernie as Mrs. Bone walked in. I'm just about done with my superhero costume, speed-resistant boots and all. Oh, please, Natalia complained, waving his exuberance away. I have no interest in seeing you in your long underwear ever again. Fear not, citizen, Ernie replied, trying to sound like a television announcer as he placed his fists on his hips. Soon your simple human ways will lead you into danger most foul, and despite your ungratefulness, I will rescue you. Ernie lowered his voice as Mrs. Boone gave him a curious look. After all, that's what heroes do. We don't ask for much, just the opportunity to serve and protect. Natalia rolled her eyes and then promptly gave him a wicked pinch under the arm. Ernie shrieked like a baby pig and then he glared at her, rubbing the sore spot. We'll see how smart you are when I save your life again. He then put his arm around Max. You see, me and Max are the same now. It's just too bad you guys don't have any superpowers, but we'll let you hang out with us anyway. For now, won't we, Max? Max tried not to laugh. But I do have a superpower, Harley replied, smiling roguishly. Ernie's countenance brightened. Really? What is it? I call it the atomic wedgie. Harley then leapt at Ernie, who quickly sat down, underpants safely out of reach. Hidden under the guise of a simple silver ring, the codex remained virtually unnoticed as Max passed through the halls of King's Elementary School. Just as Natalia had predicted, it was easier to hide a small piece of jewelry than a hulking book. Plus, the security of knowing that the power of his skyfire was only a finger twist away was reassuring. Despite the new weapon, Max's days were anything but peaceful. Even under the relentless eyes of the Templar, Max still couldn't escape the feeling that he was being followed by something sinister. It was as if a great evil was hovering just out of sight, waiting to catch Max alone. It left the skin on his neck in a perpetual state of tingle, no matter if he was by himself or surrounded by a throng of kids. At the moment, Max and Ernie were picking up the last of the red rubber balls left strewn about the gym after a blistering game of dodgeball. Marked with a nasty burn on his shin from sliding across the polished wood floor, Max still managed to rise to the winner's circle. So did Ernie, which was something he'd never experienced. In the past, the clumsy griffin had been a favorite target of everyone. But since the introduction of the fairy blood in his system, Ernie was untouchable. Fast as lightning, one moment he'd be in range, and the next he'd disappear like a ghost, confounding every attempt to knock him out of the game. It was risky showing off like that. Yet, despite Max's warnings, Ernie was determined to get back at the same jerks who used to treat him like a walking pinata. Dennis Stonebrow, in a strange twist of events, had switched roles with Ernie. Ever since the escapade with the ice imps, he'd become quiet and docile, despite not remembering a thing. Natalia had started calling him the sedated rhino. Ernie, on the other hand, took full advantage of Dennis's lethargy. With newfound glee in playing dodgeball, he pelted the lumbering giant with a rain of rubber balls for almost an hour. The entire gym class watched in bewilderment. Yeah, it was funny, 
Ernie asked, smiling as he tossed the last ball into a netted bag before stuffing it beneath the gymnasium stage. I didn't even work up a sweat. In fact, I'll be in the big league soon. I even have my superhero name, Agent Thunderbolt, the Cosmic Speedster. What do you think? Max slid the bolts shut on the storage door and sighed. (sighs) Just make sure you get hit once in a while. Otherwise, everybody's going to start asking questions. We can't afford that right now, okay? Ernie shrugged as they walked together toward the stairs, down the stairs toward the locker room. Who cares if they do? Besides, everyone else knows now. Everyone that matters. Logan, your grandma, even Brooks's dad. Max shook his head, recalling an uncomfortable conversation he'd had with Baron Lundgren a few days before. After hearing about the transfusion that had tra- saved Ernie's life, Kane grew silent and compl- contemplative, <laughs> refusing to discuss the matter further. He hadn't returned Ernie's ferret, stating that Winifred's examinations weren't complete. Ernie's spirits, on the other hand, weren't the slightest bit dampened. He was a superhero now, and even if a tail popped out of his pants, he couldn't have been more pleased with his present circumstance. Don't most superheroes have secret identities? Max tried to reason, lowering his voice as they brushed past a nosy classmate. Most. I mean... They keep their powers secret to protect their families and stuff, right? Maybe you should do the same. I don't think they have families. Ernie looked off wistfully. Then, what do you mean? Well, I mean, Max does, but I don't think Ernie's... Well, Ernie's mom has been mentioned. Yeah, baby, they have families. Well... They're not orphans. Well, what I mean is, wouldn't their families know? Okay. Ernie looked off wistfully and then smiled as they pushed their way through the locker room doors. Okay, I'll keep it a secret, but... Suddenly, a rolling cloud of steam overtook them, and when it had cleared, Max found Ernie smiling mischievously at him. For now. Max's brow furrowed as he watched Ernie erupt into another blur of speed, racing around the blue metal lockers like the super-powered speedster he envisioned himself to be. Unfortunately, just like a hundred times before, Max heard Ernie yelp in panic. The bespectacled griffin had accidentally stepped in a puddle near the drinking fountain, and he quickly found himself sliding at high speed through the shower door, sending his classmates tumbling like bowling pins. Rolling his eyes, Max opened his locker and threw his sweaty gym shirt inside, just as the creepy feeling that he was being watched returned. Then he felt a cold chill sweep over him as something moved at the corner of his eye. When he spun around, no one was there. Max scratched his head. Get a hold of yourself, Max, the guardian of the gold axe told himself as he shuffled over to a porcelain sink, turned a squeaky knob, and lowered his face into the stream of water. Shortly after Ivor's death, paranoia had started to set in. Ernie used to be the only one consumed by thoughts of monsters lurking in every shadow, but now Max seemed to have caught that virus. Just the other day, Max was checking out a book at the Avalon Public Library, talking with Mrs. Callahan about the erratic weather. Then a cold chill set in the room, and her eyes turned as black as pitch right in front of him. Max swore he could see fangs. When he ran into her at church that Sunday, Mrs. Callahan acted like they hadn't seen each other in months. That wasn't the only time, either. It had happened with Principal Ham, and then a pimply-faced teenager who was working at the drive-thru window at Hasty Hamburgers. 
Even Rosa, the family housekeeper, had looked at him like she was sizing him up for a meal. And a few minutes later, she was humming a tune, baking cookies like nothing was wrong. Max was starting to feel like one of the three little pigs in a town full of wolves. As Ernie liked to say, things were getting C-R-E-E-P-Y. Max was also... Ernie does like to say that, doesn't he? Max was also becoming less resentful about all the Thor agents Logan had assigned to babysit him. It wouldn't be easy for any black wolf to get past them, and that offered some level of comfort. The knights were keeping tabs on everyone who entered or exited the school, his house, the bus, and even the bathroom at the spider's web. There wasn't a single hair on anyone's head unaccounted for in all of Avalon. Turning off the water, Max reached for a towel, and then he gasped as he caught sight of the mirror, written in a desperate hand, I'm watching you, Sumner, your pal, Ray. Ray Fisher. He was supposed to be somewhere in hiding with Max's dad and the rest of the Black Wolf Society. How'd he write that message? Ernie turned to see Ernie hopping. Max turned to see Ernie hopping out of the showers, his shirt dripping and his underwear pulled up near his shoulders. He'd been wedged. As he limped over to Max, his face flustered and red. His eyes slowly rose toward the mirror where Ray's message was still dripping. Holy, we gotta get out of here. Max's voice fell as he looked nervously over his shoulder. Max and Ernie, who had tamed his underwear malfunction, took their place in the growing lunch line. Each grabbed a tray. At the same time, they watched Harley scare off a flock of chattering fourth-grade girls who were moving in on the Griffin's favorite table. Natalia soon joined Harley, and without a word, she opened up her unicorn lunchbox, folded her napkin across her lap, placed her food neatly upon the table, and began sipping daintily from her thermos cup. The lunchroom was full of hungry students, laminated tables, and ketchup-stained ceilings, the latter being a relic of a massive food fight that happened long before Max or the Grey Griffins ever stepped foot in King's Elementary School. I would understand if it was mustard-stained ceilings more, not because of the food fight, because those, but because those things are incredibly hard to open, mustard packets, and when you do, the built-up mustard in there will usually squeeze up toward the ceiling. Well, Which is not good, especially this year when you're eating in the classroom. Uh, well, that would be annoying. It is. You know, the more I think about it, Ray couldn't have written that stuff on the mirror, Ernie argued, wringing out his shirt with a spare hand. Somebody's playing a joke. Dennis. Then again, he considered, Dennis never takes showers. Which, of course, explains why he smells like a skunk crawled under his shirt and died. Mac shook his head. Also, it was definitely Ray's language. To get past the Templar, whoever it was probably wasn't even human. Ernie paused with frightful eyes, nearly dropping the fork he just pulled out of the bin. <sighs> Do you think it's one of the dead people who jumped out of the graves? Brooke was really freaking me out with that stuff. I don't know, huh? Max replied in a lowered voice as a group of giggling girls passed by. Do you want to know something? What? What do you mean dead graves? I don't remember that. But we need to tell Logan. He'll know what to do. Ernie set his tray aside. I don't think I'm hungry anymore. That's a first, Max said, pulling Ernie back into line as he struggled to break free. Look. You have to act like nothing's wrong, or whoever it is will know we're on to him. We are on to them, Ernie protested. 
and I'm still not hungry. Have it your way then, Max sighed. Just go tell Harley and Natalia I'll be with you in a second. It's grilled cheese today, and I'm not letting a stupid monster wreck my lunch. As Ernie left the lunch line in visible relief, Max grabbed his utensils and approached the counter where the three lunch ladies wearing hairnets waited. He knew them well, since they'd been serving him the same food week after week since kindergarten. The first had red hair, though it wasn't natural red like Natalia's. It was almost fluorescent and seemed to have a life of its own. She was the youngest of the bunch, but considering the two dinosaurs next to her, this was hardly a feat. In fact, the crone in the middle looked like a piece of gristle chewed on by the family dog with a disgusting hairy mole near her pink-painted lips. The last of the lot was short, sour, and corpulently crammed into an ill-fitting white uniform. She reeked of cigarettes and never said much, relying more on her withering glare than her gravelly voice to let the students know that two meatballs were all they were getting. Luckily, meatballs weren't on the menu today. Max set his tray on the rails and began to work his way down the line. He smiled at the first lunch lady, but averted his eyes from the second and her hairy mole. His eyes remained downcast when he finally reached the smelly monster who'd controlled the bubbling pot of tomato soup. Hopefully, she'd just fill his bowl and let him go, but after a few uncomfortable seconds had passed, no label, no ladle appeared. Sumner. Her terrible voice grated, oh. sending a shiver through Max. That perfect, perfect voice. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. That is frightening. Hesitantly, he looked up at the old hag, but despite Max's weak attempt at a smile, still no soup appeared. Instead, the line was starting to pile up as the children looked at him suspiciously. In a few more seconds, the complaining would begin. Samna, the voice repeated, this time darker. Was she asking him a question? Of course she knew who he was. It was the only school he'd ever attended. Uh, yeah, that's me, he confirmed slowly. As he did, an eerie light flashed in her blind eye. With a rush of speed, the lunch lady's hands gave way to clawed fingers as they shot over the rail and grabbed him by the collar, pulling Max's, pulling Max across and into the kitchen. Uh. He could hear his classmates scream in horror, and he was only vaguely aware of their fleeting footsteps. His attention was quickly snapped back into focus, though, as his head crashed into the tile floor. Vision filled with stars, Max could barely make out the grotesque monster that now pinned his codex hand to the ground, rendering it useless. Her hand was filled with needling teeth, and her eyes glowed, and somewhere out of the corner of his eyes, Max could swear he saw a raven fly by. An iron matrix? Dinner time, <laughs> the monster cackled. The lunch lady never got the chance to finish Max off as one knight, who was posing as a dishwasher, tackled the monster. Almost instantly, the kitchen was flooded with Thor agents helping to subdue the rogue lunch lady. The boy will die, the creature declared, though now the voice was clearly a man's. If not now, then next time. You can't stop the black wolves forever. Then the lunch lady's body evaporated into mist as just outside the window, a flock of ravens flew into the sky. That's... I Since mean... the attack at the cafeteria, security had been increased around Max, something his they... mom had insisted on. I guess the author of this book expected kids to grow mature, uh, mature, uh, mature, emotion, uh, mature enough progressing through the books, and I mean I have, because of the books. 
I, I don't know. Because that... I mean, if you read that in the first book... Uh, you think it would have been too much? Do you remember how light-hearted, relatively speaking, the first book was? Well, sure. You think you've matured quite a bit over the last six weeks? Because of the books. Gotcha. Okay. I mean, relatively speaking. Right. Then. Relatively speaking. That's all that matters, relatively speaking. Of course. Yeah. Since the attack at the cafeteria, security had been increased around Max, something his mom had insisted on. Logan didn't argue. Instead, he took it to an almost impossible level. Nobody wanted another cafeteria debacle. Apparently, the result of that spectacle had been messy, and the Templar didn't like cleanup work. I don't even remember how I discovered this book, this series of books. I just know that I'm glad I did, and that we're reading it now. Me too. Any student or teacher who'd witnessed the event had to have their memories tidied up just in case. Max didn't exactly know what that meant, but he had his suspicions. The Black Wolves and their assassin were growing stronger by the minute, just as Kane had foretold. Templar fortresses continued to fall, the survivors retreating to secret strongholds that the enemy had not yet discovered. Despite the urgency of their situation, though, Kane would not speak to Max about the Eye of Odin or even Lord Saxon's diary. There'd been no further mention of the Underworld or the World Tree, for that matter. If they were so important, then why wasn't he talking? Dracula's 30-day deadline was almost up. If Cain didn't set out soon, Lord Sumner would arrive at the World Tree and destroy it and the entire planet with the Spear of Ragnarok. Max was tired of waiting around to be plucked off by the assassin. Max wanted action. If Cain wasn't brave enough to face the underworld, Max certainly was. All he needed was for Natalia to locate the Eye of Odin so he knew where to go. Max was meant... Wait, wait, wait. Max was meant to save the world. He could feel it. All right, now what? The world tree, the eye of Odin, the sea of Ragnarok. This is just a book of. This is just a big book of Norse mythology. I know, baby. You say that like every third chapter. I know, but they didn't mention the world tree. I mean, come on. This is not the first time they've mentioned the world tree. Well, it's the first time. That you've paid read. attention. It's the first time the three have really been mentioned together. Right? I think just, that's true, yes. It's just... Ugh. I mean, I would really expect more Greek mythology from this, but... Why? Well, I mean, with the monsters, I mean... Well, there are certainly monsters in North mythology. Well, Norse mythology. If you're beginning... I mean, I just... In my head, compared to Percy's first encounter with a monster. Um, uh, but Harley. Percy was specifically written about Greek mythology. Yeah, but if And you it can... branched into other things. Well, no, it, it, the Percy Jackson series is about Greek mythology. And then, um, oh, what, what, Magnus, Magnus something is yeah. the Norse, Magnus Chase, that's right. Which is... Um, anyway. Anyway. Um, if you compare Percy's first encounter from, uh, a monster with, uh, Mrs. Deeds, I believe her name was. Oh, yeah. Turning into a harpy, and yeah. that encounter in the lunchroom just now. Uh, there are some similarities, for sure. It's almost identical. It's the same premise, for sure. 
mean, even with the disguised dishwasher, if you change that to a, a disguised teacher who's a centaur, I mean, it's the same thing. We have 10 more chapters. 11. That's crazy. 12. It feels like we're almost done, but... No, we've got a lot more. Well, let's end reading for tonight. Okay. It looks like you have something in your foot.